Before the crowds, all the attention and fame, they were just kids. It's the local play-by-play broadcasters that recognize their talents and their flaws. This is a look behind the curtain of the athletes that made it out and the local guys with ringside seats. You get an insider's view into what goes on behind the sports from local play-by-play broadcasters around the country. This is the Before the Crowds play-by-play podcast with Ken Keller. Hello and welcome to the Before the Crowds play-by-play podcast. I'm your host, Ken Keller, and I want to thank everybody that uh, that tuned in to this podcast, which is a part of the Hefe Pods Network, a division of Glaze Media. Uh, today, we're going to have part two of my discussion with Brian Houston, a longtime broadcaster from East Texas, Tyler, Texas. He had the pleasure of calling all of Patrick Mahomes's uh, junior and senior years in high school. We talked about in part one of this discussion. If you haven't heard that yet, go back, listen to part one. We hear a lot about Patrick Mahomes, what he was like in high school, what it was like calling his games in high school. He's worked as an on-air personality, radio news anchor, radio sportscaster, radio sports director, TV sports director. He's done play-by-play on both radio and television as well. And over the years, he's gotten to see a lot of who eventually become famous NFL players. But not just that, he's he's also done interviews. And that's what we're going to touch on today. Uh, Brian has had the chance to interview legends like Mary Lou Retton, like Michael Irvin, like Roger Staubach. Mike Singletary, and and many more. We're going to hear some stories about that. You're going to hear me tell a story about a, a post-game interview that I did with a coach who who really didn't like my uh, my question, stopped the entire interview, and just humiliated me in front of everybody. And it wasn't even a negative question. It was a positive question. That's how much he did not like the way his team played that night. So you hear about that and, uh, and Brian's reaction to that. But that takes me to a, a portion or an aspect of play-by-play that I think a lot of people don't think about. Certainly, folks listening to games on the radio or watching on TV, uh, and, and nor should they. But it's part of the uh, it's part of the job, especially if uh, if you're not a network guy and only doing play-by-play. A lot of us that do uh, play-by-play for smaller market stations. You know, we we do our we broadcast our games and then we run down and talk to the coach or players after the game and record some pregame interviews and things like that for for our stations. That's what that's what I do. And sideline reporting that's a whole other aspect. It's not it's not play by play, but it's a part of the play by play broadcast. And I've done that as well. And that is a whole different animal. And what I'm talking about is just interviews with players and coaches. And trying to make them interesting, trying to draw out information, trying uh, to talk to somebody that's emotional, um, whether that's good or bad, and and how you can navigate that, and and some pitfalls that might happen because of that. You know, we get into that in this in this discussion, and I hope you enjoy. It. Here's my here's part two of my discussion with longtime high school play by play man Brian Houston. And I mean, it was zipped for 16 yards and a first down by Whitehouse and Mahomes. Now Mahomes slings it, sideline, caught, Jake Parker, touchdown, touchdown Whitehouse. 
talking with Brian Houston, uh, over 40-year veteran broadcaster in East Texas, and we've been talking for over a half hour about his uh, two years of, of calling uh, Patrick Mahomes' high school games, and exactly what the theme of this podcast is all about is is local broadcasters that got to see these guys before they made it big and, and what that was like. And Brian, I think you touched on this some, but before we go on to your career and, and just talk shop about play-by-play in general, um, You've mentioned some other guys that you've seen. Was there anybody else that you covered that went on and, and did some big things? Not not Patrick Mahomes level, but you know some other guys that you uh, want to throw out there. Oh, I, I mentioned the, the the ones that really stand out already. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, it's just I just had the opportunity to watch you know single players. Uh, Eric Martin, who was a star receiver for the Saints for years back in the um, boy in the Bobby Abear days. Played at LSU. I got to see him play in high school. Uh, there were just, you know, we saw a lot of good high school, really good high school players in East Texas. Um, there, there, a lot of speed in East Texas. So Bobby Taylor was a defensive back, uh, an All-Pro safety for the Eagles. Uh, played, you know, played at Notre Dame. Was from Longview. Uh, again, only about thirty miles up the road. Plays in this in this Tyler district. Uh, so, you know, we see a lot of players come through here who are really, really good players that have gone on to uh, have really great um, college careers and go on to uh, play in the NFL. Uh, but, but Patrick, by far, is the biggest star um, that I've seen in my, in my lifetime doing play-by-play. Now, now, you made me think of something here because another part of this podcast is, is just stories in general. Now, you've done a lot of TV anchoring uh, as well as play-by-play. Do you have any any stories of interviews with a, with a player, famous or not, that uh, that sticks out to you that uh, maybe went sideways on you or just the, the player did something funny that you didn't expect? Anything like that? Oh, gosh. Uh, no, I mean, it's just opportunity to talk to these guys. Mm-hmm. I had a chance to sit down face-to-face, you know, with Mike Singletary. Uh, he came in to do a, a speech with the hospital here. And just to sit down and visit with this guy and and see what he's all about and see how intense he was. Folks like that. Uh, when I was young in sportscasting, Staubach was playing at Dallas. And, you know, to be able to go to a Cowboys game and go into the locker room and talk to him. Um, to get to know somebody like uh, that played on the Super Bowl team, like a Thomas Everett that played on the Cowboys 90s Super Bowl teams as a safety. He was from uh, Tatum, um, uh, Dangerfield rather, uh, right here in East Texas. And so to get to know some of these guys and talk to them uh, over the years, that's what stands out to me. I I don't really – I can't say that I ever had one that went sideways. Um, Maybe I was just just lucky – didn't ask a stupid question or something like that. I hope, <laughs> I hope I didn't ask a stupid question. Um, but it's just the opportunity to talk to guys. Uh, and because I did a radio sports talk show for a while, too, you know, getting to talk to folks on the phone for 15, 20 minutes at a time. Drew Pearson, great interview, just a class act and fun to talk to. Uh, you know, people, Dan Reeves just passed away. I got a chance to do an interview with him that was just uh, 20 minutes. And the guy was just terrific you know so i just i just always relish those opportunities to get to talk to some of these guys um you know both as they were coming up and then you know the hall of famers one i i emceed a, a banquet where uh, hall of fame defensive back mel renfro uh came to speak renfro played in the ice bowl uh in 67 
And so got to talk to him, got to interview Bob Lilly and, and people like that, Randy White, you know, uh, so just, because you were here, this is Cowboys country. Mm-hmm. So just Danny White, uh, Troy Aikman came in to play at a golf tournament, you know, here, uh, people like that that you just get the opportunity to visit with. Michael Irvin, I had a chance to sit down with him once and, and do, you know, 15 or 20 minutes. And so it's just a blast to talk to these guys. And if you if you are, you know, the thing I always tried to do was ask a good question, be prepared, ask a good question, and then shut up and just let them talk. Um, and if I did that and, and listened to them and then could follow up with that, then it usually worked out well, and so I just had a I had a blast. I had a great opportunity for a guy for for a guy in a small TV market, a mediocre guy, you know, working in East Texas all his life. You know, I just I, I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of opportunities to talk to some people that um, it still is exciting. I got to talk to uh, uh, gosh, I just went blank. <laughs> Mary Lou Retton, right after she got finished with the '84 Olympics. Uh, she came to the little town I was working in. She was there to make an appearance for a bank. It was just about two hours north of Houston. And so she came in, and I got to visit with her. And again, this was literally months after the 84 Olympics. And she was the star of the Olympics, she and Carl Lewis. And to talk to her, and she was still fired up. You know, She was still so pumped up about the things that they had accomplished with the U.S. Olympic team that year and all the gold medals she won and to be able to visit with her. And, and just, it was just, it, those things just give me goosebumps, you know, cause I'm thinking how lucky can you get? The only thing I, we didn't have back in those days was selfies. So <laughs> I don't have any pictures of these things and all the, and all the tape is already rotted and you know, yeah. it's gone now. So I don't have any, I don't have anything to prove it. Uh, but I did get to talk to all these folks, you know, <laughs> you got your memories for sure. No, I, I understand oh, that. No that's a, that's a really cool thing. You know, you brought something up and, 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 and again, when you do these interviews and, and I do this podcast, I have a little outline of how I want the order to go or things I, mm-hmm. I want to make sure I ask, but in the flow of a conversation, sometimes you got to call an audible and, and go a different direction. Absolutely. And you said something that, that I could not agree with more. And it drives me nuts because I know a lot of these people that do this and I can't stand it. They'll do an interview and they'll ask a question where they believe they know what the answer is going to be. And if it's not right. the answer they're expecting, they get upset. And to me, that's the completely wrong way to take it. You said, ask a question, shut up and let them talk. I would take it one step further, answer, ask the question, shut up and let them talk, and hope it's something you weren't expecting because that's when you get the, the interesting stories and the good answers. Well, well, if you're listening, then you don't know where this thing will go. And that's what's so fun about doing a great interview is when you're listening and this thing takes a different direction than you thought it might go. But if you're if you're really listening, then you're smart enough to follow up instead of sticking to that script like you just said and said, okay, well, he just gave a heck of an answer and I could I could ask a great follow up question or I could stick to the script and ask this lame question and miss a terrific opportunity to have a conversation with the guy. And, and so that's what I always preached to when I'd get asked to come speak to somebody at a class or when I was working in television and I would talk to our, our reporters. Uh, my son's a TV reporter now, and I used to always teach him, hey, ask, 
concise question. These guys that ask these three-and-a-half-minute questions where they really don't know what the question is mm-hmm. and they're still trying to verbalize it, I said, man, you know, go in with a plan, ask your question, make it, a, make it concise, and then just shut up and let it breathe. And don't feel like you got to you know, be, be okay with two or three uh, seconds of dead, dead air. Let it breathe because you never know. The guy may continue to talk. Absolutely. You know, may, and, and then all of a sudden you got gold. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I always try to do. Uh, you know, uh, I watched some of my favorite interviewers. Bob Costas was one of my heroes because Bob Costas, if you watch him doing his interview shows and things like this, uh, you watch a guy that does a good interview, you know it. You know, because these guys, they shut up, they they stop, they let this guy talk, they follow up, you know, maybe with a, you know, hey, how so? What do you mean? Uh, give me an example. Uh, I mean, and it suddenly takes on a life of its own, and now you got you got gold. Uh, and that's what I, I love doing interviews, because I want to I wanna learn something I didn't know. You know, about 15, 20 years ago, I, uh, the team I was covering in Ohio – um, made the playoffs, and I our pregame show we would do an interview with each coach, and the coach uh, the opponent was a coach that's you know real grumpy, um, gruff you know old guy that's been coaching for fifty uh-huh. years, and and uh, y- you know it was a kind that didn't really love talking to the media, didn't like you know doing that. So he just wanted to coach football. That's all he wanted to do, and. Um, I did my pregame interview with them, and it had to go. It had to go fifteen, twenty minutes is what it had to go. And mm-hmm. I did a twenty-minute interview with this guy, and and you know we're done with the interview and it airs. And uh, our local newspaper reporter texted me later, or maybe he said it in person. He said, uh, "He goes, how did you get twenty minutes out of that guy?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was actually pretty proud. I said, "Well, first of all." I didn't talk until he answered the question that I asked before. I didn't just move on after his three-word answer and go on to the next question. If you stop, like you just said, maybe he'll continue. You know, there's an awkward silence that people don't, you know, that that kind of pushes people to say more. And I think mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, a guy's going to, if you if you ask a question, first of all, never make it a yes or no question. Make it open-ended. Right, and, right. And, and, if he's if he answers it in real short, just stay quiet for a little bit. See if he bites because sometimes they will. A lot of times they'll just say and and they'll move on and say something interesting. And that's a lesson that I learned, you know, with that guy. And uh, and uh, you know, people noticed. <laughs> uh, Brian. Well, and 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 also to go in with real um, real curiosity. I mean, it's too many times I watch interviewers that try to impress the guy they're interviewing with all their knowledge. Yes. Okay. It's not about us. It's about the people we're talking to. And so I, I never, you know, I, if, if I go in and I will, I will ask a question that maybe shows my ignorance, but I'll say right up front, coach, I'm not a coach. Explain to me this, that, or the other, you know, explain you what you're doing here or why you're doing something. Um, and, you know, and I'm genuinely curious to know, because I don't know, uh, and I want I want them to know that hey, listen, I'm asking these questions because I don't have a preconceived notion of what you're going to say. I want I genuinely want to know what 
I want to learn from what whatever it is you're going to tell me. We're the mouthpiece for everybody that's listening or watching, and they don't know the answer either. And and you know we're asking questions that they might be asking themselves. And you know this is a play-by-play podcast, but a lot of play-by-play guys, you know, we do interviews as well, and interviewing is a right. completely different art than what play-by-play was, but it's certainly just as intricate, just as complicated, just as uh, really fun to study, you know, is is interviewing people and getting a good interview because that's not something that's easy to do. No, no. It takes skill, but it also takes discipline to know when to just shut up and, and sit back and, you know, again, let it breathe and get the answer you want. Um, and then be, and also be flexible enough to uh, let it go whatever, wherever it goes because you never know what you're going to get if you do that. And if you do that, I'll tell you something too. You, you'll find that um, as that goes on, if you're if it's working that way, uh, you're going to find that uh, the interviewee is going to really start to like you <laughs> because now now he's talking about something that interests him. And so many times they're they're bored out of their minds answering these kind of questions. Let's stop it right there. When we come back, you're going to hear my story uh, about a coach who did not like me saying that his kids played hard that night and what I learned from that. Plus, we have a little disagreement, semi-disagreement, very, very uh, friendly debate on one question that I don't really like and he's okay with. Your thoughts? It's all coming next on Before the Crowds Play-By-Play podcast. Be sure to check out our great podcast on hefepods.com. That's spelled J-E-F-E pods.com. You'll find an ever-growing selection of shows, some of which are hosted by your favorite radio personalities, from popular English language shows to the hard-to-find Spanish language shows. Check out the newest episodes of Taylor's Table, the Haunting or Not podcast, and more. They can all be found at hefepods.com. That's J-E-F-E pods.com. And be sure to tell a friend or two or three. I'll tell you one quick story here, and I do want to talk about your, you know, some play-by-play stuff, but one, one, okay. one quick story, when I was covering a high school basketball game, I was filling in for a regular guy, and um, the team I was covering, uh, you know, lost to this team that they don't normally lose to. It was in basketball, and uh, they were down by 26 points at one point, and they came back and made it, and I think they ended up losing by six. They made a nice rally and, and almost you know, won the game, but they didn't, they lost the game. So I go back in the locker room after the game, I'm getting ready to record the post game comments from the coach who's in a sour mood. And I learned a lesson because this is how I started the question. I said, coach, the kids fought hard and almost rallied to win this game. Just your thoughts on, on, I was halfway through that question and he is shaking his head. No. And he makes me turn the recorder off, and he says, "What do you mean the kids fought hard? Are you watching the same?" And he just he the newspaper guys are in there, the assistant coaches are in there, and he is berating me like I was one of his players because of a question. And and he's and I said, "All right." I was fuming inside first of all, but I said, "All right, let's start this over." I said, "Coach, uh, your thoughts on the game?" I I hate that question, but I I just went with that because I had really nothing else to say. I said, "Your thoughts on the game?" And he and we did the whole interview. And we turn it off, and he goes, "Kids fought hard. What kind of question is that? You go back and you tell Bill Tipple this, you know." And he tells, and I'm like, "I'm walking out. I just feel all the eyes on me. I was furious, but I went." You know, you you mentioned the the hating the question, your your thoughts, 
but to me, I, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but I, I did that a lot. Is hey, just you know, first first impressions uh, coming out of the out of the ball game. I, I know it's a lame question, but it's the one that just lets him go. You no, know, no, wherever I agree. He wants to go with it as. A, yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad question. Honestly. I don't either. Let me let me explain my thoughts of why I don't like it. I don't like to fall back on. It. I don't like to be lazy with it. I like to. Um, I, I did sideline reporting for a long time, but, you know, before I came right. in here. And in sports, at halftime of a game, there's only so many questions to, only so many ways that you can say. Coach, uh, why is the score the way it is here at the half? You know, there's only you're, all the questions that you're asking kind of are leaning towards that. Or good, I like to word things differently. I don't, sure. I don't like to fall into the trap of just saying your thoughts on the game, and, and that right. being the only thing. I ask it every probably ask, ask it every interview. To be quite honest with you, um, but I, I always try and think of that next level, you know, type thing where. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm weird about this, but I, I, I just don't like to be lazy about it. And I'm not saying that it's a lazy question. It's just, it's like you said, it's a question that's going to get you the most general answer. And uh, that's why we all ask it. See, that, that, that's the thing that I'm talking about, though, is that, that by giving them the rope to speak what's on, what's on their mind, if you're listening, now you've got a direction to go with that next question. Um, because, you know, there may be a, something in that ball game that he didn't like that may not have meant that much to you or me, but it obviously was something that got under his skin. So right. that may be the direction to go with it, you know? Well, it, so I, it's, 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 it's really about listening. I'm telling you so much interviewing is just about listening to what that person has to say. And yeah. so many people don't do it. And absolutely. And, and the lesson I learned from that experience there, and by the way, I went on to cover that team and, talked to this coach uh, probably a dozen times the rest of that year. And I think I gained his respect because I didn't, I didn't, um, you know, fade away. I didn't, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. I I didn't, I didn't lash out at him either. I didn't, you know, berate him or anything like that. I just, I went on and and did my job and this and that. And I think actually, we actually had a really good uh, relationship the rest of that year. And I really think it's because of how I handled that situation. But um, the, the lesson I learned from that was don't incorporate your own opinion into a question because they might not have the same opinion and things can get awkward real fast when you do that. I, I incorporated my opinion by saying the kids fought hard and, and you know, rallied in this game, which they did, but obviously, you know, he didn't agree. So uh, you, you, you talk about being concise. And, and that's, that's what I learned from that. Just ask a quick question and let them go. Right, right. And, and then listen to what they say and then go from there. Yes. You know, don't, don't go in with preconceived questions that you just feel like you have to ask. Be willing to um, you know, adapt and, and go that direction with it. So was play-by-play the first thing that you wanted to do as a kid? Or, or was it sports talk or was it anchoring or, you know, what – you know, where did play-by-play fall into your career aspirations and, and even, you know, daydreams as you, when you were a kid? Well, first of all, um, I got into the radio business when I in the 70s. Okay, so first of all, that tells you I'm old. Um, and I most of my experience listening to play-by-play would be back in those days, you know, you didn't have wall-to-wall ball games on cable television. We had three channels. 
and you got, you know, one college game on a Saturday afternoon. Um, and so that meant you were either listening to Keith Jackson or Chris Schenkel or somebody like that. And then on uh, the uh, Sundays, the NFL game, if you if you had the misfortune of living in uh, Louisiana back when I was growing up, that meant you were held captive by the New Orleans Saints uh, <laughs> back when fans were wearing bags over their heads, you know, every year, losing 13 or 14 ball games. Um, and then and then because they kicked off at one instead of noon, they would join the three o'clock ball game. It may be halftime before they got to it. So you didn't see the whole game. You usually got joined in progress, you know, which could be the Cowboys Redskins, but you didn't see, but you didn't get there until about two minutes to go in the half. Um, so it was different then. Uh, but you spent a lot of time, for instance, LSU games. Uh, I was a big LSU fan. Well, that meant laying on my bed, listening to a radio broadcast a whole lot because they weren't on television much. Even though, even if they were good, they weren't just one on television a whole lot. The, the brands were on TV, USC, Notre Dame, uh, Alabama, you know, Michigan, Ohio State. You know, they were always on, but uh, it was very rare that LSU would get on. So you spent a lot of time listening to the radio um, or listening to Major League Baseball games. The Astros were big down where I grew up at the time, so I listened to the games on the radio. I didn't really think about myself doing those kinds of things until I got into. I, I got a job at a radio station when I was a junior in high school. I lived in a small town, about fifteen thousand people. I'm sorry about the cat. Uh, uh, fifteen thousand people. It was a thousand watt radio station, which meant uh, I was I was a disc jockey. I was playing records at night from six to midnight. But it was one of those opportunities because it was a small station. You got to do everything. Okay, so that meant uh, that you got opportunities to do some play by play. Um, And and then that kind of grew and I did some high school stuff. And God, I'm I'm glad none of that stuff exists where you can't hear it because I'm sure it was terrible. Uh, But uh, I got to do high school football and basketball and uh, those kinds of things growing up and then moved uh, here to East Texas. And I'll tell you what really got it going for me was because when I moved to East Texas, we had access to the Dallas TV market and every sports anchor on the local network affiliate in Dallas was also a big time play by play guy at ABC, the ABC affiliate, Vern Lundquist was the sports anchor. Okay. And he was also the voice of the Cowboys. So you'd watch him Monday through Friday doing the sports cast, and then you'd listen to him doing the Cowboys games on Sunday. On the uh, CBS, I'm sorry, the NBC station, Frank Gleber, who's a Hall of Famer, he's no longer with us, but he was like the number two guy for CBS for years. He called the Hail Mary game between the uh, Cowboys and the Vikings. Okay? So he was on on a regular basis. And he was working at the local radio station. He also did work the Cowboy games a lot. Brad Sham was uh, uh, the color guy for the Cowboys for a long time. Now he's been the play-by-play guy for the Cowboys for the last 30 years. He's as good as they get. And when he's not doing Cowboy games, he was doing. He did Ranger games for a while. He did uh, does a lot of college games. He did a lot of college network nation, nationwide radio broadcast for the Cotton Bowl and for the NCAA tournament. So he got to hear some terrific play-by-play guys, and you could hear 
the what they did and and it was kind of like a great classroom for learning how to do play-by-play well and so uh and you had to mimic some of that you just had to because these guys were so good and they were so smooth uh and they just had and then occasionally because i was in close proximity to to dallas you could go to like these broadcasting seminars and one of these guys would come and speak and so that's when i started really getting into doing play-by-play and just loved it i always loved it um even if it was just doing high school games, which is, you know, really, I got to do a college game or two. Uh, but it's most, you know, I'd say 99% of my experience in play-by-plays is high school. Some college, now I do some junior college, I do some live stream for the uh, Division II uh, baseball, softball, basketball program here at University of Texas at Tyler, Tyler Junior College. So it's nothing big time by any means but um you know you still want to do a good job you you don't want to be uh the guy that <laughs> if it plays nationwide everybody's making fun of it <laughs> yeah so uh that's what i always try to do and uh, i just loved being able to put on a good broadcast even if it was a, a small town high school uh i wanted to go on and try to make it sound as good as possible and i i loved i just love doing it it's a blast what's your favorite sport to call Football, by far, football. Um, I don't. I don't know why. I, I love basketball, uh, but football to me is the, is the best because you do have a chance with basketball. It's just up and down the floor, and it's it's hard to describe. Uh, but with football, uh, it's easy to describe. You know, and, and and I've always been taught you're the you're the eyes, uh, you know, for your audience. They're not there watching it, so you want to describe what you see. Um, and, but at the same time, it's not, I'm not a storyteller like you have to be in baseball where you've got to be able to fill just, you know, hours of time. And if the game's bad, it's even worse. Uh, so football was my favorite because of the perfect venue for me to do. I think what I was strong doing, I was describe the game, call it with the right amount of, of enthusiasm, um, but still have a chance to catch your breath and not have to just fill, you know, minutes and minutes and minutes of time, you know, just killing time while when there's nothing going on because the action was pretty, pretty constant. What's the most challenge? I'm going to say challenging sport to call, but you can take it as a sport you don't like to call or the hardest. Any way you want to answer that question? I think baseball is the hardest sport to call just because there's so much dead time. I agree. Um, and you, you have to, uh, a, you have to really know the game and I'm not, I, I like baseball, but it's not my favorite sport. People that are really good with baseball love watching 160 games a year. Um, I'm just not that way. Um, so baseball, baseball is the toughest sport to do. Um, because the games are so long, they, they can be so slow. I'm not an expert on strategy in baseball. Don't claim to be, 
Uh, and certainly with the, you know, with the way things are going with analytics now, I, I know even less. So, <laughs> so baseball is not my, baseball is not my thing. <laughs> Whenever people ask me that question, I'll, I say the same thing, baseball. I, I do love baseball and, and I think calling mm-hmm. baseball, for me, it's a really hard question to answer because I, I legitimately feel whatever season it is, that's my favorite game of the broadcast, sport to broadcast at that time. But when yeah. I, I tell people that, you know, baseball is the hardest for the big reason that you know you said a lot of them but but for 75% you know for for 5 minutes nothing's happening and then that 6 minute everything is happening all at one time you know there's a, a hit right. to the outfield and you got to remember who all was on base and where they're running to and who's going to right. second who's going to third who's rounding third and going home by the way what's the batter yeah. doing by the way what's the outfielder that fielded the ball doing it's all at one time and that's uh, exactly right and, uh, and and that's after 10 minutes of uh, you know talking about uh, um, I don't know some story about the manager because nothing's going on in the field it's 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 crazy. The other one I would say is I don't know how much soccer you've done. I oh, I've never I've never done it. Don't ever want to. I've done PA for soccer, and believe me, that was enough. <laughs> I struggle. I struggle with it. I'll, I'll give you some advice if you ever happen to do it. Get a color commentator with you because most That's, you better. Yeah, most of the game is is a scrum for the ball in the middle of the field, and. If you're on radio, how do you describe that? You know, you gotta. So you just talk about you talk with your partner if that happens. But if you had to do it solo, that well, is extremely hard. Yeah, fortunately, when I was growing up, there was no such thing as soccer in America, so I didn't have to worry about it. <laughs> and by the time it got fam- by the time it got famous, I already knew that I, I wanted no part. <laughs> so it's all good. <laughs> Brian, what's do you have any any stories about something goofy that happened to you in the booth or during a broadcast or on your way to a game or something like that? Uh, you know that uh, that you like to tell. Well, there's a couple of things. Uh, one, I got to do the longest game in the history of high school football. Um, we did a ball game uh, in Nacogdoches, Texas. Uh, Jacksonville played Nacogdoches. It went 12 overtimes. Oh it was 80, 84 to 81. Um, and the game started at 7.30 in the evening. And it ended at 1.30 in the morning on Saturday morning. Um, part of the reason that it went so far is because there were playoff implications, but the team that lost had to win the ball game by X number of points. So if they won it by only two points, they wouldn't make the playoffs. So they kept, you know, so they would intentionally blow an extra point or something to keep, keep it going. And so the game just went on and it got to be comical. Uh, so we, we, it just got to the point where we were just almost, um, you know, bleary eyed and, and, and giddy stupid on the air. And I had people calling me for interviews later, just saying that we, they were dying laughing because <laughs> the ball game was just so ridiculous. And we knew it was ridiculous, but, uh, at the same time it was historical and that no, nothing's come close. So that was one. The other one was, uh, I had, I, it was a strange situation where I had a color commentator who um, got really, really uh, ill while I was doing my uh, radio show uh, from four to six at the press box. And then we were going to stay there and broadcast one of the White House games that evening. I'm I'm a Mahomes game, as a matter of fact. My son 
had started going with me to ball games from the time he was in the third grade until he played football himself and couldn't go on Friday nights anymore. He started traveling with the with varsity team. So uh, he was about 14 at the time. Well, uh, this color guy that I had got deathly ill while I was doing my radio show. And just literally his head hit the table and he was out. He was just really out of sorts. And there was nobody in the stadium, and I had my, I'm trying to do my show, and my son is running around trying to find a, a human body somewhere in that stadium, a uh, trainer or somebody that could come up here and take care of my color guy. Um, and finally, we had to call an ambulance. All this is going on while I'm doing the radio show. So once he gets taken off to the hospital, it's just my son and me, who's 14 years old, and... I had already, over the years, I had given him as he was little when he started. And, you know, so I'd give him something to do to engage him. You know, like, hey, keep track of the tackles. Or this year, keep track of first downs or turnovers. Just little things just to keep him entertained. Well, by by the time he's 14, he's got a pretty good grasp of the game. He's, you know, he's on video games constantly, so he knows the game backwards. He's the only kid I knew that would spend more time in the drills and the practices than he would in actually playing games. Uh, so he really knew the game. And so I looked at him, and I said, okay, buddy, it's just you and me. I said, I'm going to have you maybe come on with me a couple of times and give a, a stat or two. Keep it brief, you know, get in, get out, and, you know, we'll just make the best of it. Well, he gets on the air, and he just kills it. And the funny thing about it was the producer back at the station had the, um, the you know, he's got a talk back in our headsets, but the button was on. And so my son's doing something at the time, 14 years old, and my guy back at the station is saying, are you believing this kid? And my son heard that, <laughs> so it, it was kind of so that was that was kind of cool. And then when when, when the game's over, he's he's done a really solid job, you know, for a kid, a kid. And then we get back home, and my wife is laying on the couch. She never went to the ball games with us, so she's laying there on the couch and she listened to a little of the ball game. She didn't know he was going to be doing what he did. And she, and the minute I walked in the house, she looked at me and she says. What was that? <laughs> and I said, "Hey, he he came on and he you know, he handled it like a pro. So now he's he's working as a, a news reporter up in uh, in San Antonio, in a top thirty market. Just to, that was kind of the start. Uh, so that that to me, that's a personal." most memorable moment kind of a thing, but it's one that really sticks with me. A proud dad moment. I have nine-year-old twins. They do come no with me. No doubt. They come with me to the broadcast. I'm going to start having them track rebounds and turnovers because that's uh, – <laughs> I'm going to get them engaged. Uh, but, Brian, uh, I, I've, I, I appreciate all your time. Let's keep in touch and do this again sometime. Thank you so much for doing this. You know, really enjoyed it, and uh, good luck with doing the podcast. I hope you find more guys that uh, covered some big-time guys. I've, all I can say is I was just very, very lucky 
in the right place at the right time when the right guy came along. I mean, it's nothing more than just a complete blessing and uh, my good fortune to be able to watch that kid for two years and, and then to continue to watch him do what he's doing now. It's just, it's just really cool to be able to watch Patrick Mahomes and just say, you know, I saw that guy when he was in high school and he was doing the same things then. So nothing surprises me. All right, Brian, thanks so much. Great stuff with Brian. Again, if you missed part one of this discussion, go back to hefepods.com and check that out. A lot of stuff on Patrick Mahomes and some other guys that he covered uh, you know, before they went on to the NFL. And, uh, and check that out. And please check out future episodes of Before the Crowds Play-by-Play podcast. I've got a lot of great interviews coming down the pipe. Some guys that you've heard of, most that you have not, but you've definitely heard of the people that they've covered, which is the point of this podcast. Until then, I'm Ken Keller. Thank you for listening. This has been Before the Crowds Play-by-Play podcast, a proud member of the Boss Pods podcast network, a division of Glades Media. If you like this episode, please tell your friends and follow Before the Crowds on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Before the Crowds. There you'll get extra clips not included in this episode, as well as updates on when new episodes are posted. If you have any questions or comments, message those accounts, and I will either message back directly or answer your questions on a future podcast. The Before the Crowds theme music is written and performed by Lucas Braun of L-Dub Music. More episodes to come over the next few weeks. Until then, thank you for listening.